Welcome to this podcast. Today I have with me Arya Deb. Arya is a good friend of mine and he is currently a PhD researcher in mechanical engineering department of Purdue University. He has pursued his bachelor's from Villanova University in Pennsylvania states of United States and he belongs to Tripura, India and his research interests are aligned towards machine learning and deep learning and autonomous navigation towards agricultural robotics. He has published several papers, several research articles in top tier conferences all around the world. So this amazing podcast and you're going to love it. So here with us, Arya. Arya, welcome to the show. And tell me more about how's your PhD journey going on right now in Purdue. Hey, Mahindra, I'm doing good. Uh, thank you for having me on your podcast. PhD is going well. Uh, we just finished up one project two weeks back. So started another new project. So, you know, it's a never ending loop keeps going. But other than that, it's going well. How you manage your PSG time, dude? It's very difficult. You are taking some courses, doing projects, as well as doing workouts and all. How you manage, how a PSG student manages in Purdue their lifestyle? Yeah, for PhD student at, in Purdue, uh, time management is very difficult because, you know, especially in the first few years when you're taking classes and also doing full-time research. But for me, I feel like I say uh, no to some events, you know, like when my friends ask me, hey, you want to do this? I can't say yes to everything. So that's like one of the things I use. Like I strategically um, try to figure out which one I want to go to, which one I don't want to go. And that way I, I, I manage time. In that time management, there'll be always yes to the free food, I believe. There will be always yes to the free food for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that event, five to six event where it was an Indian event where we had multiple samosas for samosa in one go yeah, yeah that was so good the, yeah so let's talk more about your phd research i believe you are working in agricultural robotics and what is particularly i believe it's like iot for ag means like that is the terminology which i see all over in purdue and on the heric website so what is it's all about so uh, IoT for Ag is a uh, ERC, so Engineering Research Center for mm. um, for the by NSF, funded by NSF, oh. and um, it is collaborated by Penn University of Pennsylvania, Purdue, uh, University of Florida, and UC Merced, California Merced, and um, it is geared towards uh, introducing new technologies such as robotics. IoT sensors, remote sensing, and data um, data collection for uh, modernizing agriculture. So, like digital agriculture, uh, okay. to manage the growing population and in increasing its food demands to meet those growing demands. I think there is a lot of challenges is related to the future food security, like recent uh, Russia-Ukraine war, and there are other events happening: COVID nineteen, break of breakage of like supply chain and all. So where do you fit this research and how it can impact? I believe uh, means like how robotics enters into the picture of when farmers were doing all the job. So that is the key which I wanted to ask. Yeah, so the thing is farmers are uh, working still, but mm -hmm. there's not enough people who are uh, like not enough farmers who are able to work. So mm -hmm. the workforce of farmers is going down. There's like something... Uh, billion tons of like just strawberries you know in in mm. california and like all of us that is being wasted because there's not enough farmers to pick those berries so stuff like that where 
just human help is not sufficient robotics can come in like autonomous berry picking is just one of the things that robots can do oh that's nice yeah i believe farming is a kind of job which is more driven related to means like if you earn a profit you can earn a profit once you sell your crop and i believe that is much more affected by some of the factors like they are in like in india there are huge amount of factor a lot of suicide happens for the farmers and those loans and all that may be the reason i believe what could be the other reason why a lot of farmers are moving away from their farming to some other sectors yeah so it's a two different scenarios in countries like india and mm-hmm. and like other countries like europe mm-hmm. and us mm-hmm. so in the us farmers are not necessarily moving away for profitability reason they're moving away because uh they just growing so fast uh they can't just make sure by having one job like they don't have enough people like hiring able to like hire more people to help with their farms but if you look at india uh farmers are uh getting low rates for their crops they're uh like a you know unfair markets which is not the case in the us okay. so i feel like that is the reason two different kind of pictures in play in different countries if you see tech growth can be managed by incoming engineers and trained engineers from all over the world how a farmer how somebody want to do be a farmer they have to follow the legacy or there are some courses for that that okay look the farming uh, here in the us is a very different scenario like here if your dad is a farmer um in india what happens is if you're coming from a farming heritage right you just join the farm if you have if family owns a lot of land you just automatically go into it but in the us it's different because people are studying agronomy plant science okay. ag engineering like purdue has one of the best departments in yeah. agriculture and biological engineering So yeah here's a lot more uh studying and then people know if that agriculture excites them they will go in that field study and become a farmer or it can be their side job it doesn't have to be their full time job they can be uh farmer in the day and you know like a teacher uh, at night whatever is the thing yeah that's amazing that's amazing and i think one of the biggest food sup- supplier all over the world is united states if you measure across different kind of crops and the yield per acre or per hectare is much more like top 5 countries in india uh, the yield per hectare is pretty low as compared to us maybe they are involved a lot of good technology one of them could be like in future could be your technology one point you highlighted is picking up the maybe fruits or veggies using robotics how it works basically how you design a robot to do all kind of these stuff is it autonomous or it is human involved in the loop how do things work yeah so i'll give you an example of my uh, my research what i am developing hmm. uh so for our robot it's a ground robot so it has hmm. four wheels it's very small like a f- f- two foot by one foot frame it's hmm. very short low to the ground but it has a arm on its back So what we do is I'm working on uh machine learning and computer vision. So using some some of that techniques we detect the leaves or any feature of interest like for example berry or a leaf. You detect that and then you localize that gripper of the arm to like grab it and then you have some other mechanism that can, you know, cut the berry or pick it. 
So it's a computer vision problem in one aspect, and the second aspect is a manipulation problem, how, how you grab it and then store it. So like the dynamics of ARM and stuff. And I believe that could be possible in U.S. because the I when I when I was coming from Chicago to Indianapolis or uh, to West Lafayette, they are big, very big farms in India. So what happens? The farms work differently due to their heritage. They become smaller, smaller in size. Yeah. They could be larger for farms, however. But I believe robotics and these kind of stuffs work perfectly in big farms because uh, you know means like big farms means when the farm length is so huge so robotics can show its real you know nature its real behavior of autonomy so yeah you are correct that in that way having automation removes the human error also there could be multiple human error in this loop like i believe if you if you are novice if you don't know how to pick up fruits okay there could be a challenge like you will be wasting a lot of fruits and all i believe is it the case it can happen in that way yeah, you're definitely right. Uh, mm. There's some something called long-term autonomy, which is what we have to test for in the U.S. fields, where your robot is going for hours and hours and mm. covering huge amount of land, right? So you have to worry about, is your battery going to hold up? Is your uh, algorithm robust enough to like not mm. hit hit something when it's going too mm. far? But that's something you challenge, a challenge you won't have in India because smaller farms, as you said, so maybe you don't have to worry about changing battery packs or, you know, hmm. uh, running into other kind of issues like variability and stuff. So, yeah, hmm. both are challenges yeah. on its own. Uh, that's true. That's amazing. Apart from that, I believe I saw one of the startup in India. They were making a drone for pesticides, you know, you know, having I think that would be in U.S. also how to make this process faster and, you know, even what happens when human involved in pesticides and fertilizer, there'll be a loss of, they will, it won't be equitable uh, along the farm. But when you have a robot doing the job, it's like it's much of more efficient, I believe. Yeah, you're exactly right. As a matter of fact, last mm. summer, I believe, I saw uh, a demo on campus by a company, like a startup company, like called Terra or something. Okay. Uh, they had a huge drone, had like six propellers, and it was like massive, had a full tank of like pesticide. Mm. And you just have to like plan the mission on your phone, and yeah. it goes to that location and sprays oh. and then fully autonomously completes the mission. It's really cool. Yeah, and I, I believe it's much more faster and apart from that one of the factor is uh, when the weather is extreme for example there is extreme heat and the extreme cold and you have to do this work it will be much more accessible via robotics I believe yeah absolutely so uh, some of the researchers the, who are also students I work mm. with mm. Uh, their job during the growing season which is for corn in the US mm. is from May to uh, end of July, something like that. Uh, during the peak growing seasons, they have to go out in the sun, take uh, leaf samples. So they take, cut the leaf and measure the leaf, measure the diameter of the plant. And they're out you know, for three hours at a time every day. Um, so we are trying to automate that with robotics. So may, once that is fully functional, hopefully this tedious task or boring task will be much more streamlined yeah. and you know, less yeah. hectic. I believe I have seen people in Purdue, those are those who are researchers, they wear a hat 
having a sunscreen in their hands and all these you know on their face and be ready with two gallons of water and going yeah. to the farm is like preparing for some like uh, apocalypse or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah that's amazing apart from that what could robotics do apart from as you mentioned object localization and extracting out the resources i believe not resources but product and product from the plants and trees what could be other things like one work which you have mentioned recently highlighted is like uh, plant disease detection how that works yeah so one big major like aspect of uh, growth in plants is or the yield in plants is how much disease reduction you can do uh, so one the one once the disease starts in a plant it's not very easily detectable uh till like you know it's spread a lot but when you catch it when it's spread already then what's the point you're have to like you know get rid of those uh products so our goal is to like using remote sensing and all those uh algorithms we have we are trying to detect diseases from an early stage so they don't spread okay. um that way we are trying to minim- maximize the yield um by catching those at early stages yeah that's true because i have seen like somewhere down the line if you see plants and when one leaf get brownish it means it's losing its life or some or other way got disease or something like that after some point of time if you don't care about it you know it will infect the entire plant and it may you know propagate this disease into another plant and there'll be a loss of you know entire productivity entire yield of the farm so in the initial stage detection is a pretty good idea i believe and what are challenges uh, related to that what do you feel like do you detect le- what what are uh, all the locations at which these diseases can occur they could be plants it could be stem yeah so uh, the thing that happens is it varies from crop to crop right mm-hmm. so corn crop might have a different symptom of disease while a silk plant can have a different a symptom. So what some people do is they fly drones from the top down view. You get a very nice uh, image and high resolution image of the top, the canopy of the plants. Okay. But maybe for corn, hmm. you don't have the disease signs at the top. The disease starts at the bottom. That's where our ground robot comes in because it's going from a uh, uh, ground level and looking at up top like up um so Yeah it's very interesting uh, like how different crops need different kind of assessment techniques uh, but yeah usually nitrogen deficiency or any other kind of disease starts with browning in the leaves then the leaf spreads to a different parts as you said earlier and one of the thing which i believe is the advantage of robotics is like for example corn field if you want to detect the these disease does farmer have to crawl like an army person and it's like a training ground seeing like this or is it like because it's much more challenging with robots you can access the non accessible area pretty decently if you have multiple cameras and because a small rover can go here and there however i don't believe a farmer can do this job much more efficiently how it it, it has evolved from like how do the farmer do that and how the robotics can improve it yeah so um how our project started back in like uh, 2020 2020 actually is purdue has this big tractor like thing called fino rover Okay. So it's it's like massive it's like 20 foot tall uh, and has big wheels hmm. when it goes it, it compacts the soil and it also crushes some of the plants 
So there was before we developed our robot, there was no anything on the market, any technology that could, you know, go under and crawl under, like you said. Hmm. So farmers can't do that because, you know, when the plants are taller than you, the, the when a corn plant is fully developed, it's like 10 feet, 15 feet. So crawling under there is very hard and you're going to like, there's not enough physically space for you to fit in. So it's definitely a challenge. Uh, and as technology develops, like it's going to get more convenient, but uh, it's hard as a farmer to do that. And apart from that, I believe the yield also depends upon how closer you are putting all the crops. As closer as they get, if you have seen those sugarcane farms, they are pretty dense. Means like if you go inside, you are like lost. It's like so dense, like you have to move like this, you know, because I believe when I used to enter into such form just to, you know, thief out some of the sugar canes. So that yeah. I, I felt that. So it's like much more if you want to do a hide and seek over there, it's a very good place, but not, you know, mobility is an issue. So robot can definitely help over there, I believe. Yeah. Hmm. Robots have a GPS, right? So even if oh, they're yeah. lost in a, uh, in yeah. the middle of the maze, you can still find it yeah, using GPS signal. That's true. Apart from that, if they are challenged related to charging station, definitely every, you can have a charging sp station directly onto the farm itself in the middle of you know in the middle of the farm or somewhere you can have the accessibility and when robot can a robot can have its own intelligence like when like for example five robots are operating you can have a policy you can have a plan okay four of them right now it's at 50 percent charge and one is going like 40 percent how many should charge at this point of time so that three will be available right now if two are charging so making this policy to make it much more i believe maximum yield with minimum charging and all this this kind of problem is like very good to solve yeah that is a very good idea actually like mm -hmm. the robots communicating their battery status with yeah other robots in the group that is like a very good uh, method to uh, optimize that but primarily what i think is mm. the bottleneck is the drones their flight time is like you know 20 minutes 30 minutes max and even like 10 minutes with like payload mm. but ground robots can typically go for like two three hours mm. and with ground robots you can just have a fresh battery pack right you just swap it you're done oh. but with drones you don't have that luxury you have to like land them and you know charge or add the new battery it's, it's a process yeah. but university of pennsylvania is actually developing a super capacitor type battery so yeah we'll see how that project turns out okay and i believe one of the thing which can be done is like like in army technology surveillance and finding people in the forest you are finding like this application called swarm robotics mm -hmm. where if it is a very kind of very large farm and you know like your uh, drones capability is like five minutes ten minutes of flight you can have multiple drones and adjust have you seen those pictures means like bot labs they make like uh, when it is like republic day they make you know that uh, yeah uh, that flag of india they yeah make. yeah so these kind of robots can also be used in a intelligent way to you know optimize the best possible way in which they can deliver their task or either spraying or you know clicking pictures and all yeah yeah that's uh that's a true uh those swarm robots they look not only cool 
but they also like you know do the yeah. job in a very effective way like mm-hmm. capture different angles right mm-hmm. but one more thing i want to point out is mm-hmm. uh, also something also currently going on in our project mm-hmm. when you have drones mm-hmm. you're going too close to the canopy if you want a up close up close picture of the leaf the wash from the propellers makes the leaves uh, you know like yeah. disturb and they like flop around so we are trying to design a drone that has minimum wash so you can go as close to the leaf as possible without having to worry about uh, disturbing leaves in the in the oh, there air. could be a adjustable camera which can come out like with a rope yeah. click a picture and true yeah come out like <laughs> yeah, that would be much amazing yeah those people who can see from far you know for far they are saying what this robot is doing like it's like doing you know wires coming out and clicking yeah. picture and again going out you know that is amazing apart from that that is a very good research area to have disease pr- protection because and what you mentioned like wash that is also a very amazing area. apart from that there are some amazing discoveries going on around this area called robotics and how we can involve tech into robotics one of them is like some of the people are making uh, indoor farms very big indoor farms where robots which could be manipulated are doing a lot of jobs like spraying water to the plants and picking them up and these things are also happening oh yeah that is actually a cool uh, cool uh, thought yeah. process like if you're having your farms in indoor it's much more controlled environment Yeah. so you don't have to deal with the harsh environment and you can control many variables yeah. uh so like you can get the exact amount of uh you know crispiness in your leaves or something like that you can hmm. probably also um control the amount of light hmm. and characteristics of the plant you can like re- engineer the plant to give you yeah that's so yeah. that's, that's amazing one of the thing which i'm seeing a lot of companies or basically startups they are only focusing on big indoor farms that are like with the help of limited number of people and having entire thing autonomous so they are small rovers they are manipulators all of them doing certain kind of tasks so one is like one is picking up the uh, you know product and one is like having new when some plant died there is a life of that there is one which is like having a new plant you know putting over a new seed and properly watering it and putting fast uh, pesticides one is like watering it pro- properly and there were sensors there are sensors on the soil also like they are monitoring how the chemical constituents and the level of manure is in the plant so that there will be no plant should die and they have maximum yield yeah that is true um uh, so the people who are looking at that data uh it becomes then a data science problem yeah. so you have a uh, soil moisture sensor soil temperature and i believe there's also something like a rainfall which doesn't happen in the um indoor farms but for outdoor farms of speaking there's like all kind of sensors yeah. so you can optimize your conditions depending on the if there's enough rainfall or not then you trigger your sprinklers you know mm-hmm. uh, so it, it using all that data you can really leverage that and as far as indoor farms uh so you know in industries we have had robots for like decades right yeah. making cars yeah so i feel like when we have farms moving into indoors like a conveyor belt hmm. then we already know the experience from like the past 50 years how robots work so we can really optimize that scenario i think that'll be really 
really good uh, thing in the future. Yeah. I think tech will be having a huge amount of impact on agriculture sector because agriculture sector is so fundamental to our uh, existence. Yeah. So there should be much more funding in that direction. There should be much more agency which is, should enter into that so that there'll be more funding, there'll be more research and we can able to have. Because as the population is growing, the demand for the food is increasing and we are putting a lot of pressure on the, uh, you know, I believe a lot of pressure on the ground soil. and due to soil due to which like soil is lacking nutrients and with uh, they are properly estimates like there was a in uh, jorogan's podcast when Sadhguru came for this uh, save soil uh, you know thing mm -hmm. and he was mentioning like sometime back in 1920 if you pick up a orange from a farm and right now so the nutritional capability right now you have to eat 20 oranges to get the same amount of nutrients that you were doing in 1920s. So wow. why it happened? It's like because soil, upper, what do you call it? Upper, soil is the upper crust. So the it's top losing, soil. Yeah. It's yeah. losing its minerals. It's losing its, some of the characters, losing its biodiversity. So biodiversity, bacteria and viruses, uh, I believe bacteria and fungi plays a huge amount of role in the growth of a plant. And so what happens and essentially it acts as a manure. So what happens, your fruits get more enriched with nutrients as compared to what's happening right now. So what we did was we have, we are continuously degrading the soil, you know, quality and we are putting more pressure on the soil again and again, and again. So there is a proper planning previously what happens. So they used to grow one crop and leave the entire crop for the entire year. And then again, so it used to replenish itself. Then again, mm -hmm. grow it right now. It's like in one year, a lot of people are putting five crops different ways. So soil is not getting a chance to be much more, I believe, have that organic content. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned a very good point, actually, because robotics right now in agriculture, we are not focusing, not that I know of, mm -hmm. of like, we are only focusing on uh, plant disease detection and like, you know, fertilization uh, like how to s spray the fertilizer and stuff but we are not really using robotics as of yet to uh, enrich the soil or give the soil back its nutrients so that could be a very good avenue of like how we can detect when the robot should intervene and you know yeah. like uh, maybe the robot will give us or some ai models will like give the farmer an idea hey you should do this plant now this and then wait for like one season and then plant this one again yeah. to ma maintain optimum nutrients in the soil so maybe we yeah. can leverage the data to uh, think about our soil as well and, and not yeah. just the yield and apart from that there are other stresses on the water so if we previously when you used to do uh, farming the water need water was much more pure right now if you see the water quality used for irrigation it's much more corrupted via some of the, I believe, pollutants in the rivers and all. So what is happening? That is also putting pressure, extra chemical, those dangerous sulfur kind of chemicals putting onto the soil. It is degrading the organic com content of the, organ uh, you know, soil is becoming much more acidic. So it's a, yeah. Research. Yeah, it's a research that is showing soil is becoming much more acidic. So it's very difficult for plants France is having stress. So there is a friend of mine. She was working in agricultural department. Purdue has one of the best agricultural departments. So she was mentioning what her work was. She was, they were putting sensors all over the ground and measuring the water content 
and temperature water content and uh, you know humidity absorption of the soil and later on this work can be extended for measuring the minerals manure level biodiversity of the soil i believe this is a good research area as well there is a tech involvement in agriculture yeah. absolutely yeah mm -hmm. uh, the cuz data is going to be so powerful in the mm -hmm. in the agricultural uh, sector in the next few years that yeah. even small farmers they are scaling their business to become big just by leveraging data so it, separating like you know people who are just going with what the rest of the market is going mm. and there are some farmers who are using that data from soil moisture and what is their minerals levels and their plot of land to like maximize mm. their yield uh, so yeah, I think we need more research on that area for sure. To yeah, fully... means like a lot of chemical scientists, a lot of sensor development technologists should enter into the picture and make uh, this soil much more. So they'll be like, you can make it like a, I believe, a pop entire pipeline. So there'll be a sensors all over the ground, data collection procedures, robot is in the picture. And when robot need to intervene, when farmer need to take care, so there should be a proper, like, I believe a generalized pipeline, which is like, so that happens in the industry also, you know, one, for example, one part robot is not able to intervene over there. Then there's a supervisor who come across. So they make sure that they are able to, you know, maximize, maximize the production. So buying this strategy, having different kind of people involved, different kind of technologies involved. So even camera feed, sensor feed, they are all these things happening in the automotive industry. I believe there is much more need to be taken care of this fundamental level. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, mm. So if you look at our uh, our main research agenda of our ERC, the mm. IoT for Ag, there's three thrusts. Mm. Thrust one, which we are under, we are just doing robotics and sensor. Thrust two is data communication. So not only collecting that data is important, but how you transmit that uh, to like, you know, the robots, to the inter-sensor communication. Hmm. And the challenge there, what I want to mention is, if you think about like some places in India which doesn't have internet signal or doesn't have uh, good GPS connectivity, how, how you transmit that data using a special sort of Wi-Fi, low frequency, high range Wi-Fi transmission called LoRaWAN. That's also another inter interesting technology that comes into play. And lastly, thrust three is mm. just data analysis. So like mm. post-processing that data and making sure all three thrusts are working with synergy to like, you know, make sure the mission is fulfilled. Hmm. And one more thing I was reading about indoor farms. So a lot of, if you see right now, everything is like horizontal farming. So it takes up a huge amount of space. However, their concept of vertical farming, if you compare in terms of area it covers, as compared to the yields you can get, that is phenomenal. Like vertical farming is also growing for some of the thing, like for some of the plants is possible. Like those who are like, climbing plants you can make them much more vertical there could be some plants which looks like vertical but they are like bent towards backside so they however means like bigger plants can be done you know vertical farming like sugarcane it doesn't make sense like cantivel coming out like this so for some plants there is a higher probability we can do vertical farming those are like potatoes and all oh like so by vertical farming are you referring to those uh, huge walls where you plant like one uh, on top of each other okay yeah, okay i see yeah, yeah yeah those are vertical farming it have you can 
have better spacing right. and apart from that one of the thing which i was reading is like from top you generally irrigate from top so what happens the remaining water which is generally uh, lost while doing uh, horizontal farming is keeps on coming down keeps on coming down and there is much more utilization of the water as well so a lot of you know research is going on around that vertical farming how to make it much more accessible and for more and more plants so it's a very decent research area i believe yeah for sure Yeah. and i think it's also part of some uh, if you see the plant city that that abu dhabi is doing yeah. they are also doing some concept of vertical farming and hmm. not only looks aesthetic but it's also probably much more efficient than yeah. horizontal farming that's true that's 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 a good thing to do apart from that if you see even vertical farming there are some of the factors which are involved in vertical farming is accessibility so their robots can play a huge amount of roles when plants yeah. is on the same level you can have human also can pick up the thing but however if you are talking about 10 meter height so their robots can play a very huge it can climb they could be like wall hanging robots they can yeah. do picking and all so robots also can involve a big you know hand over there i believe yeah yeah for sure yeah you have big gantries they can just localize okay row 2 column 5 like pick yeah. that plan you know just how they do it and have you seen those uh parking lots in like yeah. movies or some some in chicago yeah. the cars like place like that so like yeah. this row this column which is pretty cool yeah, yeah that's vertical farming as you mentioned a lot of countries are putting a lot of effort like uae india yeah. and india being you know 75% of the wheat of the entire world comes from russia and ukraine now that wheat is being you know controlled by some or other ways or it got controlled due to this war so a lot of effort these days are putting a lot of pressure is putting on like food security and food security is related to climate security a climate crisis so as you mentioned exactly like these days if you see summers are getting even hotter in europe when it was hotter yeah. in india nobody cared about when it happened to uk you you know those roads are getting you know melted in a way because they use more tar- charcoal or charcoal whatever charcoal so i think both of them are related in some or other ways climate crisis and food security yeah yeah uh, unless you can decouple the two right Like unless you you fully switch to indoor farms hmm. where your climate is fully controlled yeah. but hey that that future is still not there yet so we have to worry about our climate yeah. and how that affects our agriculture mm-hmm. and one thing which i was also seeing in the indoor farms so you can have more number of harvests a year as compared to ordinary land So what they do is like they can have 15 different harvests a year. Means like growing potato, then growing tomato, then growing this because you can control the environment. Just believe. Yeah. For example, some of the plants want much more colder, much more humidity as compared to other ones. So you can change the entire temperature of, of the entire, you know, maybe a localized chamber where you are growing some some plant. So you can have different temperature and humidity and all these things which plant depend upon even soils, moisture and soil qual- quality adaptively and you can grow more number of harvest a year as compared to a normal plant. 
Absolutely. Uh, yeah, controlled conditions does play a key mm. uh, key factor in, in uh, controlling the environment. And uh, I'll give you an example. Have you seen those greenhouses by Herrick at Purdue? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, so only corn grows only in like May to end of July, right? So if you want to do experiments, like when we have to do some data collection mm. outside that season, those plants are not available. So what we do is we go to the greenhouse. And if you go there, you will see that they have a huge box of switches, like a panel box. They have like lights, they have different fan speeds, ah, they yeah. have like all kind of crazy stuff. Yeah. And they have plants like year round, like just hmm. standing tall, like full year round. Like no matter when you go, you will find plants, you can collect your data. Um, so yeah, that is definitely the way to go. Controlled farming. Yeah, one of the factors also which are involved in control farmer is the lack of ground water. So ground, letter, uh, ground level water, which is like degrading with time and surface water is also degrading with time. And with more pollutants, it's difficult to irrigate your crops. However, I, you know, I have a lot, a lot of sense of respect to Israel, what they did to the drip technology. Yeah, uh, it was lot in highlight where there is a pipeline and there is very small, small drip of water coming out of it. It's totally controlled by control system and it dips water and a lot of plants they are able to because they have limited amount of water and they how they utilize water even to have similar amount of yield as compared to India, which has huge amount of water resources. That was fantastic. There are other researches also in Israel, I believe. Yeah, Israel, as you mentioned, is like leaps ahead like they are setting the benchmark of like especially in terms of irrigation for for farming um so yeah i was really uh, fascinated by when when they made that public announcement of how they uh yeah. you know just started growing like you know all these crops in the middle of a desert using yeah. <laughs> grip drip irrigation it was yeah. amazing it's amazing and i was watching a documentary which was talking about after world war they were showing after World War, which was the situation of Israel. Yeah. It was like a desert. And now if you see, it looks like similar to like where you come from. There's a lot of green because a lot of rain. I was mm -hmm. like, is it, you know, northeast or northeast, which is like much more because there is a lot of lot of rain. So you look very greenery over there. But yeah. I believe, oh, this is Israel, like totally transformed, you know, that, you know, I believe the, the sense of doing for their, their country to make their country in those difficult situations, I believe it's their strength. Yeah. Hey, necessity is the mother of invention, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. So apart from that, I believe India also imported the drip technology from them. And mm -hmm. they have a good technology related to water purification, water desalinization, which is like their key technology and drip technology. Recently, India, UAE, US, no, India, I2, U2, Israel, India, UAE and US signed a pact in which they call it food security pact, which is like in during that period of time, you, I believe Israel's technology will be used and us and uae will fund some billion amount of dollar to have like center of excellences in agriculture in india as well so it was related to i think some 2 billion amount of dollar i think a lot of countries need to be collaborated in that way what do you believe collaboration is much necessary i believe i i absolutely agree with that because if you see what 
few universities collaborating can make a huge impact in agriculture mm. so imagine what when like countries and especially when you're including a country like india which mm. has the know-how for like mm. generations of farming mm. uh and funding from countries like uae and us like, mm. i think that would be a great venture for yeah. sure and since climate is also disrupting like india in india pakistan and all these sides there is like heat waves coming every summers which is like impacting the crop and that happened together russia ukraine war and that heat wave due to which india restricted it uh, exports to other countries however there is one more difficult challenge which is going on right now it's lack of groundwater which i mentioned previously as well as uh, lack of groundwater is causing uh, because there is a report which i was reading in by 2030 India will lose forty percent of his groundwater. You know, there is a thing called global yeah. uh, food security index, and index, India, yeah. right now, if you see, we have a huge amount of surplus of we every food product. There was a time when we didn't have, but we rank sixty eighth in that out of one twenty and one thirty like that mm-hmm. because this freshwater challenge. So that's what you said exactly. We need. those robotics and tech into that so that we should not over irrigate yeah yeah and there is population challenge also i think i think robotics is also doing a lot of stuff in population hand uh, pollution handling of rivers and waters water resources yeah you're right uh, so right now i think even if we we know that by 202050 like the population will like we have to ramp up our production to keep up with the growing population mm-hmm. but as of right now as of 2023 mm-hmm. around what like 30% of the food is wasted or something right yeah yeah like the it's insane that 30% of food grown in us is just wasted yeah so uh if we like if we can factor that in as well and mm-hmm. grow only as much um that the people will be consuming and not minimize food wastage Hmm. and that way you're minimizing irrigation too right hmm. so and in the long run you will save some water because you're minimizing food waste and only optimizing the amount of yield that is needed as of right now um for feeding the population like why have it wasted what about means like i don't know much about us how do do they do irrigation does they use river water or groundwater yeah so it's uh it's a mix of both i believe hmm. um, okay it's not as heavily groundwater dependent as india is because you know you can just have pipeline transmit water like river water from like you know because the pipeline structure is more robust in the us than india so we are not directly like depending hmm. on the groundwater but it's also used from time to time that, that i, I believe there are some plants also going in india where they are doing so ganga acts as a ganga the land around ganga yeah. acts as a very fertile land and when it is like becoming polluted so there are some research going on where they deploy robotics which is like a free floating surface to detect what is the quality of water i believe did you hear this news i i've seen like an article on it uh, that they are using that um, the group of robots to like you know uh, some sensors that they put in the yeah, water yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's true that's true and you know russia and china controls 16% and 12% which is more than like 30% and they 
you know which is like anti us allies or whatever you say they control one fifth russia itself control one fifth and the entire russian and allies and all these people controls nearly 40 to 50 percent of the entire fertilizers as well so mm-hmm. that is a challenge i believe in this you know global crisis of war and all these yeah. things are also hampered and developing com- countries has to bear the cost actually because yeah. where there is a surplus they don't care about it but they should be much what is the objective of un and having these fights again and again and there is a lot of impact of a <clears throat> show you can work since you drive you have a much more understanding of gas prices <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, gas prices were crazy <clears throat> just like few months ago. It was like yeah. through the roof. Now they are coming down, mm-hmm. but luckily. Uh, Do you know about so a lot of people mentions the amount of groundwater which is used just for agriculture is only around 15%. And lot of water is being wasted in related to animal farms. and meat production okay so a lot of people say if you go vegetarian so it will be much more sustainable but in that direction i believe did you heard about lab grown meats yeah it's i've seen those the <clears throat> impossible uh you know those brands they're coming out with like lab grown meat yes there's some like 3d printed meat too have you have yeah, you heard about yeah. it <laughs> yeah yeah and they were mentioning like it has more nutrients yeah. in a real uh i believe real meat and it has a similar taste for example that is a thought experiment we can have since you eat chicken just assume you eat chicken mm-hmm. i gave you two different chickens which is one is lab grown one is real chicken <clears throat> i don't tell you okay and then you start eating then after that i tell you it was lab grown and it was that both taste the same so what will be your thing would you which one you would you would choose for the next time i'd probably stick with the uh, non lab grown but if you show me enough data that hey you have mm. to give up <laughs> the poultry farming and mm. stick with lab grown meat for the rest of your life if you give me enough data and you convince me that then i'll be like okay sure if they well, taste the same but lot of vegetarians you know they don't believe in lab grown meats they say this is just shit and shit talking and even that has more amount of nutrients and it tastes to the same or better they won't switch means like yeah conventional way of eating animals i think which mm-hmm. is like impacting sustainability in some or other ways <clears throat> yeah it's a little bit of cultural thing too like if you see uh compared to india a lot more people in the us are non vegetarian so this habit although like mm-hmm. veganism and like going uh sustainable diet is becoming more and more popular but mm-hmm. you know americans love their hot dogs and uh burgers so there, yeah. there's no going away mm-hmm. and that is true that uh if you compare with like high uh high uh, water requirement crops like wheat and rice mm-hmm. uh like farming uh chicken or any mm. other animal requires 10 times more water so that is true you have an advantage over there by switching vegan you're reducing water usage but then again it comes down to personal preferences and how people's mindset that you can't be like preach to everyone hey become vegan right away like that's not possible so 
when yeah. you lo- lot of people didn't take the vaccine itself even in this covid crisis so you can't say means like people will come to a common platform to have a sustainable sustainable diet and all it depends on since it is democracy people have their own chance maybe their beliefs may change i believe everyone body should have believe <clears throat> which is adjustable according to the data with current situation you know there is nothing called conventional way or best way it's like adaptability human are the best adaptable one of the best adaptable creatures available on earth so mm-hmm. we need to stick to that <clears throat> no yeah you put it in the best way possible like the, yeah. as engineers as scientists mm-hmm. as policy makers whatever we may be the best we can do is just give people the data give mm-hmm. them the choice and uh, you know teach them like give them knowledge that if you do this this happens if you do this that happens then it's up yes. to them yes, on yes. what they want to do and one more thing which is like right now in popular which i was mentioning related to the soil do you know a lot of people what they are doing is like they are having plants which doesn't need soil they just grow on water means like they have you know they have reduced the amount of soil required to grow the crops oh i believe yeah means like there are some fruits i know means like a lot of fruits if you see they don't need <clears throat> soil as such but they have reduced the amount of soil required for some of the plant and the water they have used they are using uh, is also recycled so that right. is happening in the indoor farming area indoor farming community and they are doing some incredible work means like if you so see that videos those are amazing it looks like you are into some spacecraft or somewhere yeah. something like that <laughs> yeah yeah i would love to see see a actual lab actual, tour of such yeah, such vertical farming some, near they may be a one in chicago because chicago is a big city maybe yeah maybe yeah. and do you know recently <clears throat> what do you think about bill gates involvement from tech to more vaccine and agriculture yeah i think he uh, he was doing a tour of india right like few yeah. weeks back yeah or w- when was it again i think uh, he's investing into agriculture and <clears throat> vaccine a lot these days but uh, the trip which he had to india recently was like a month back or yeah. 15 days back something like that something like that recent, recent. yeah <laughs> i was i was watching that video and uh, hmm. i mean it's good that it shows like someone who is also involved with other humanitarian work is taking interest in agriculture so that yeah. definitely an inspiration for other you know business owners uh to like <clears throat> shift their mindset towards investing in agriculture yeah, so i i think that's a, he's setting a good example and apart from in sustainable uh, global security food security sustainable farming there is one thing which is india putting its effort on since uh, see there is a lot of investment required when you build robots when you build indoor farms however india is playing it safe much more safer but much more effective i believe so this is called there are some uh there are some foods which are called super foods you know these are drought resistant you know drought resistant and what you call climate friendly sort of so they grow even in different kind of fluctuable fluctuations of the weather also so one of them is millet we call it bajra oh yeah yeah bajra yeah yeah you may have heard that so mm-hmm. bajwa require ba- bajwa bajra <laughs> <laughs> requires less water and able to less water means like one third of the water of wheat and rice yeah 
and it grows similarly and have more harvest and even it is resistant to more pesticide which you mentioned uh, you know in the previous you know conversation about pesticide detection oh sorry this disease detection it is more you know protected by pesticides and it is more in in that term it on a particular land it can have more harvest in terms of kgs so they india is even recently united nations had decided to third 2023 as the international millet year oh okay because of india's contribution in the millet and uh, orissa is the state which is like like top most in doing millet farming because they are incentivizing you know farmers in that direction right <clears throat> i think incentivizing plays a very important role in giving farmer a motivation to bring those crops crops into the picture yeah and sticking with them long term and you know um another thing that uk is doing i think is they moved to uh, a lot of farmers in the uk are moving to quinoa farming you know what quinoa is no 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 so it's like that uh it's like a breakfast type of thing it, it's it's like similar to millets in terms of like characteristics where it doesn't require as much water and you know it's it's very healthy too so it has much more nutrients than like traditional rice or wheat okay okay and okay. i think that's uk's version of millets um, yeah. yeah and it's as tasty as wheat because i uh, wheat i'm saying wheat <laughs> okay let me be specific okay not wheat okay wheat and i believe when he came bill gates came and he even in the front of media he made a millet patty also which was as tasty mm. in the front of yeah. uh, you know smriti irani which i don't know if she is handling the food ministry or not but he made a you know those because india is doing a lot there is a agriculture institute in pusa which is putting a lot of effort to grow millet and they have shown they have written some papers and even they are able to have 25% more yield of some sort wow. of wheats wheats so millets they are doing fantastic but wheat mm-hmm. chickpeas so even in us and germany there is a lot of research on chickpeas so chickpeas is also a superfood okay they are yeah. resistant to and they grow in less germany is doing an incredible research in that so he came and he has seen and he has even bill gate notes which he writes on linkedin and all that was fantastic on his website he wrote so he was saying india is doing incredible work towards this direction and soon within 5 year we will be like one of the major exporter of millet absolutely yeah we should also start cooking some millet food millet yeah let's do food. it sometime let's let's get together and make some millets <laughs> yeah and one of the thing is like in india a lot of lot of people already were eating bajra ki roti and all these things and they use means like they, they it was no, a normal staple for that a lot of yeah. villages and all so we have to learn those things it may be but in cities though like it's hard right like i i don't yeah. think i've seen that much no no you won't find yeah and uh, in germany these people are also growing uh, i believe what you call it what is that that leaves they put in the between the sandwich the bigger leaf i don't know Let lentils lettuce i can confuse between lentils and lettuce lettuce yeah yeah, yeah. also i think uh, lettuce one of the superfoods yeah yeah and one of the factor what they doing is like lot of people i was watching this video where they were mentioning about they are growing lettuce but in sea so there are a lot of sea oh. algae type of plants which doesn't need soil okay which mm-hmm. just survive on sea water 
and these are like seaweed they say seaweed so what they do you know that yeah yeah so seaweed is a very popular japanese it's very used yeah. like in japanese cuisine so in eastern eastern culture if you see in taiwan japan china yeah. a lot of people use that use seaweed yeah but it's, it, it's not very popular in i believe in western world so True. what they are doing how they are doing it actually japan and all these sea people see the natural extract out the natural stuff mm-hmm. what they are doing so they are putting ropes inside the sea and mm-hmm. those seaweeds grows on that and they then remove mm-hmm. it and it is as tasty as uh, you know they are companies startups related to that direction nice. as well yeah i mean and there you go yeah you have one avenue for underwater robotics right to like help yeah. you with seaweed farming yeah that's true means like <laughs> underwater robotics to remove yeah. these seaweeds because it could be as challenging as because you have to go in boat because i i see those people goes in boat and they extract out it is a time taking because it's like removing from road requires yeah. stability of the boat as well as strength yeah robot can definitely play a role you have a lot of job opportunities yeah congratulations you are high <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's also a good uh, aspect you pointed out that people think oh robots taking over we're going to become jobless in the next few yeah. years but yeah. that's not not necessarily the case right like robots are sometimes making more jobs yeah by performing those jobs that humans and quality want otherwise. of jobs also quality exactly. of jobs you know you are shifting more from automated type of job means like repetitive task to more of a quality task and much yeah. more white collar jobs so exactly. robots apart from if you see you know definitely like when they'll be like <clears throat> uh self driving cars so definitely there will be a challenge to the those people who have a regular income from taxi driving but the nature of job will change because a lot of people now enter into ai community a lot of people enters into more technical jobs so the nature of jobs are becoming from non technical to more of a technical so that is much better i believe I means like for the quality of life everybody have so one of the factor which i believe you know they are robots which are used to clean the sewage tanks also yeah yeah means like a lot of research goes in that direction because it's like so mushy and in india you know a lot of people do that you know that is very you know you have increased the quality of their job that guy will be later on use you know those i believe remote to operate those robots but yeah means like things are changing evolving i mean you've seen those boston dynamics robotics right robots right yeah. those cheetahs so they're taking it to like you know non-functional nuclear power plants where there's still some radioactive material like it's a health hazard for humans to go in so robots are doing an amazing job there by like you know doing a site survey and all kind of stuff like uh, one of my past projects in my lab was using drones to do like uh post disaster rubble analysis okay so where you know um the disaster relief folks it's too risky for them so we were developing drones that can you know not only do a survey but also interact with the environment like our drone we did some experiments of where our mm. drone could like open doors mm. it could open like fuse boxes to like shut off electricity mm. uh, climb up to like you know those tall electricity poles mm. so robots will Uh, not only eliminate those those tedious jobs but also those mm. dangerous jobs that which, which in line you refer to like the sewage yeah. tank cleaning yeah that's true means like robotics has much more once see if there are no more number of robots it means robot manufacturing requires components and component will be manufactured by some startups and you need 
operators for those kind of robots you need manufacturing new plants for having more components to make those robots so definitely proportionally the number of jobs will increase as they are dying i believe yeah so that is amazing yeah. i believe tech can revolutionize agriculture climatic you know the impact of climate on the agriculture because it's so fundamental to us yeah no yeah it is it is a um, very life saving technology uh, mm. that once robots step in like it's mm. not fully integrated what i can say mm. from my current experience like you have robots but in the field who are helping like doing a tremendous job but mm. just think about a future where robots are integrated into the lifeline of farming that would be yeah. an amazing future i would want to live in yeah then more people will get more time to understand themselves and to live a more easier life i believe more like getting more going you know that when people's job reduces they have to do more of like 5 of 10 minutes of job then they reflect back inside and yeah. they do they understand the human nature and it's much yeah. more the society will become much more collaborative instead of having this monkey brain of okay jealousy factor okay meri job chun li my job is gone <laughs> something like that it will be like yeah. much more socialist which much more you know everybody will be having much more essence of best lifestyle and much more equality i believe with mm-hmm. time and one thing which i am mentioning about i2u2 which is a collaboration of four different countries so they are also investing a lot on climate thing so that is like putting more because however agriculture and climate are related in some or other ways so you have to control the use of co2 producing cars so a lot of investment recently this uh, bill gates when he come he drive a tuk tuk which is pro- properly zero emission electric so that is like autos yeah and a lot of funding are also going in renewable hybrid resource uh, sources and a lot of people in india are also working on ethanol blending that mm-hmm. adding some for, so brazil is the top one in that so they are doing right now we are at i think 18% of ethanol blending or some number with i think uh, 20% of ethanol blending into petrol however you know brazil is much higher like 30 35 something of that number so it doesn't reduce the calorific value but there is law less unburned emissions carbon. yeah, yeah. Uh, unburned hydrocarbons yeah. Uh, but yeah this is a transition phase like you know mm-hmm. we are switching from fully internal combustion to like you know hybrid and then there is ev full ev so that mm. we are in the transmission tr- transition period for sure but um mm. yeah let's see where this takes us right like ultimate goal is full ev yeah. like we can't deny it but yeah. um too bad for the petrol heads like us right who like our gas guzzling cars <laughs> but yeah. still like the future is ev we can't deny that and one more thing about like in the end if we summarize so there are something like robotic robots data analysis technology plays a very important role indoor farming vertical mm-hmm. farming limited amount of soil limited amount of you know water nourishing the soil and other factors like controlling the climate having less you know doing ethanol blending using electric vehicles more and these things and definitely controlling groundwater reducing water population pollution these are the main i believe the things which we have covered in this talk and that was yeah. amazing you know talk with you i enjoyed likewise it. yeah yep. i enjoyed it a lot learned a lot from you for such amazing podcast and for more number of guests i want you to support me by subscribing to this channel 
see you bye bye